Check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. This episode's guest is Boston-based painter Lauren G. Levine. Lauren and I have a great conversation surrounding her often elemental and dramatic paintings, both in light and dark, and how she finds just the right color to go next to just the right color. Lots of material and support shop talk, too, and more. And a bit of news, Lauren is part of a two-person show with Mark Phelan titled Ebb and Flow at Groundwork in New Bedford, Massachusetts, opening March 14th from 6 to 9 p.m. That's at 1213 Purchase Street, New Bedford, Mass., Check out NewBedfordCoworking.com for more info on the show. Now, let's welcome Lauren to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. There's probably a billion painters that you could tell me about. I'm curious as to where your background comes from, like just based on your imagery, which artists you either are fond of, look at, or, you know, uh, are favorites of yours or... Sure. Yeah, I mean, God, there's so many. It's really hard to to nail it down, um, yeah. you know. But um, you know, a long, you know, going back a ways, my my favorite artist was Egon Schiele. Okay. I love Schiele's work, you know. Um, and then as I I got a little bit further, I I fell completely in love with Jackson Pollock. Yeah. And all of the Abex painters, um, and uh, you know, Joan Mitchell. Yeah. Love her work, obviously. Um, uh, per Kirkby, I love. Um, his colors are just... Oh, that's He great. just works well with really difficult colors. Just the color blasts, if you will, for lack of a better ter- uh, word. Just, mm. yeah, pointed to him for me. Yeah, his greens are really something I look at a lot, how yeah. he works with greens and, and browns, because they're not easy to work with. Um, 
I've also been looking at a lot of uh, John Walker. Okay. Who, I'm not um, familiar. I don't. Yeah, you know, it's he's one of these painters who's been around for a long time, and I only really kind of discovered his work a couple of years ago, and had been sort of obsessed. He's a, a British painter who um, then spent time teaching and working in Australia, and then came and was teaching in Boston for years, and he lives in Maine. Okay. And his work is just like. I couldn't believe that all these years he's been, you know, working here and teaching here. And yeah, I, New England, right? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and, and even closer to you. Yeah, and yeah. I just so that I've I've been sort of, I've been looking at a lot of his work lately. Um, yeah, and uh, I saw the the Hans Hoffman retrospective over at the Peabody Essex okay. in December, and at the Peabody Essex Museum, and that you know I. I had always known about Hoffman's work, but more in reference to all the painters that I admired who'd studied with him. Yeah. And I didn't really have a grasp of his work so much. And when I went to the show, I understood why his, he just kind of blew me away. Yeah. It just blew my mind. And the reason I say I understood why it didn't mean anything to me before is because even after walking through that show, um, I thought, oh, well, I have to go buy the book. And I went down to the gift shop and I opened up the book and I started flipping through. And I was like, these look nothing like the paintings I just saw upstairs. I'm not even going to bother. Oh, because wow. they just How... didn't translate. Oh, I see what you're books. saying. They just, it just, you know, it just didn't translate. I figured if I can't just stand in front of one, it's not even worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but they were, that, that was pretty wild. Um, yeah, and I've been, you know, I've been looking at a lot more, um, you know, like Lee Krasner and Grace Hartigan and all those people as I've been reading Ninth Street Women. And, oh, cool. And then there's just so many people online now. You know, there's this um, Australian painter, Amber Wallace, whose work is um, just lovely. Her use of color is fantastic. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many. I shouldn't even start naming them because I'll forget <laughs> so many people. Right. <laughs> So I guess I can jump into some of the questions I had. Sure. All right. So my first question. <laughs> <laughs> the official list here. What were some of your first experiences with making art, and when do you feel like you got serious about it? I feel like I've been making art my whole life. I yeah. There was nothing else that I ever really wanted to do. Um, I feel like on some level I got serious about it in high school when I knew that all I wanted to do was go to art school. Um, and, uh, and then I did, <laughs> um, I don't know how serious I, I, I got as far as making it a career. I, I sort of, I sort of bought into that whole, you'll never make a living as an artist. You'll just have to have another job sort of mentality. Yeah. So, um, so it was always something that I wanted to do as my main focus but always had to kind of just find time around my jobs, which I guess is, you know, what most of us do anyway, um, no matter how focused you are. But, um, yeah, I feel like I've been making work my whole whole life. But, you know, I started, I think my, my first oil painting I actually made in my sister's art studio oh, yeah. um, in South Boston when I was in high school. But she was uh, a painter as well. Yeah. Um, she doesn't paint these days very much, 
I still think of her as being an artist. I don't know if she does, but um, so she was sort of a big influence on me too, as far as that goes, because she would, you know, come home with these, these big paintings and I saw them. She's nine years older than I am. So I was a lot younger and uh, they made a pretty big impression on me. <clears throat> and so I, I feel like that just let me know it was something that you could do, yeah. you know? And, um, and she went to art school before me. So she sort of broke my parents in. So it was shocking when I said, I'm going to art school. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I've sort of just been painting ever since. That's cool. I mean, I think in some way you were mentioning about how an artist may have to have another job that's a little more uh, you know, practical or whatever. Right? It seems that, you know, artists have to wear many different hats, you know, and sort of yes. switch gears quickly and which I'm not very good at. Like if I come from one experience for the day and then jumping into the studio, it's always kind of a, I don't, I don't transitions very, very well or very quickly. <laughs> so it's a tough transition. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you need a good four hours <laughs> between. Yeah. That's a tough transition for me too. Um, right. I, I tend to, you know, I, I, these days, because as I mentioned, I have a, a young kid, I, I, I tend to try and grab moments to jump in to the studio and work whenever I can, even if it's just 10 minutes here and there. Um, And uh, you know, which, so I'm a much more efficient painter than I ever was before. Before I had my son, I, you know, I wasted a lot of time (laughs) and now every moment is precious and I, I don't waste anything. Um, So, uh, so I sort of have kind of streamlined the transition process. (laughs) Oh, how did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) just sort of out of necessity it's still kind of hard you know because of the fact that I don't get to go into the studio every day there's often you know several days between studio days where I get any you know real chunk of focus time so you know sometimes when I go in there um you know building a canvas or prepping a surface is a really grounding activity and it's sort of like getting your feet back in the earth you know before picking up a brush or, you know, some sort of little ritual. Yeah, that's interesting. Kind of I feel like my next question was going to touch upon that. Just at, oh. like wondering if you had any sort of warm-ups that you do or something related, whether it's uh, quick gesture drawings or and like mm-hmm. how important is that to you and your process? Um, yeah, it's become it's become very important actually. I don't I don't have you know a daily ritual um, except that. I always have to have my tea. <laughs> I have to have a fresh cup of tea nice. when I walk in there. Um, but like I said, you know, if I have something to stretch or to sand and gesso, then that's a really good process for me to get grounded. Um, and oftentimes I will do some drawings. And um, the drawings and the paintings really, um, they're they're tightly related. They It's like a, a kind of a call and response. You know, they they inform each other a great deal. I don't do preparatory sketches. I don't work from sketches or ideas or anything like that. But, um, but if I put up a couple of pieces of paper, one or two or three, and I pull out some charcoal and I just start making marks and if, you know, and I can spend a good hour or more, um, you know, working on some drawings. And then if I have the time that day, sometimes that's all I get to do. And that's still very satisfying. Um, then I can, if I know that's all I'm doing, I can really just focus on that. Um, but if I have, 
that as more of a transition than I can spend, you know, a half hour or an hour drawing. And then that helps me walk into the paintings after that. Then I can, you know, put on my other gloves and pick up the brushes and, and start working that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's become very important. Drawing has become um, a real um, integral part of what I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I really, I don't know. I think I'm too trapped into my own studio, my own work. And so to be honest, it's like really refreshing to see yours. Um, oh, how, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, you mentioned, I think just briefly, the abstract expressionism. And mm. I feel like, I feel like I'm terrible at like art history. <laughs> so the fact that I even brought that up is kind of, you know, I'm like shaking a little bit. Like, uh, how am I going to back up that? You know? <laughs> but don't worry, I just I'm not feel like, school you. <laughs> what's that? He said, don't worry, I'm not going to school you or anything. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, but it just like with your work and I'll try to formulate this in, in, into English. Um, mm. Now I, I feel like with with abstract expressionism, like just the paint itself, is like a thing. It's like it's this crafted thing, and it's not necessarily about an image or a depiction of a thing. Like it's not mm -hmm. a representation or a portrait. And right. I didn't know if somehow, if you relate to that at all, or can oh, like deeper. have have a thought either way about that. Oh, I have so many thoughts about that. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that you, yeah, you definitely nailed it. I mean, that's, that's, um, yeah, because I, 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 they were a huge influence on me, um, as I was developing as a painter at mass art and the, the idea of the paint being the thing that, yeah. you know, that the, that the meaning of the painting is in the paint that the, you know, whatever it is that there, there isn't, um, there isn't, you know, a, a specific subject or something that you are, you know, replicating. Um, but that the, that it's more about the gesture and the feeling and the immediacy and the movement and the, the paint being paint. And often images start to, to form on their own, but it's very subjective. You know what I mean? You know, right. whoever's looking at it is going to see something that, means something to them on some right. level, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I feel like, you know, like I'm, if, if something that I've made looks like a, you know, a landscape, I didn't set out to make a landscape. Yeah. Um, but, um, but that image sort of came out on its own. So I don't start with, I don't start with any ideas. It's really um, sort of the process of, of, of mark making and, um, and texture and color and each, Thing that is laid down is a direct response to what has been there before. So in that way, sort of the first marks are the hardest because there's nothing to respond to but the rectangle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, and of course, it's not the hardest because, you know, you can paint over anything you don't like at that point. But it's sort of, you know, if I if, if my first lines are something that make me cringe, then the whole painting is dead from that point on to me. It's really hard for me to recover from that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning how to recover from those things. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's a, a big thing for me. And it's, I do a lot of writing about what I do, 
Oh, yeah. Because I'm trying to find language to describe it because I feel like the visual medium is so starkly visual for me. And right. I, I don't like artist statements. I don't like trying to make an explanation for what I do or tell people what they mean. You know, and it's not because I want to be cryptic. It's just because I feel like everything is there in the paint. Right. You know, so it's hard for me to find language to describe that. Do you, these writings, would you show anyone or are they more for your sketchbook or? No. Yeah, no, it's like journal. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's very, <laughs> but it's very important that I, that I keep writing because that's where, you know, anytime I do have to write some sort of statement or um, anything for a show, um, that's, that's how I process what I'm doing and how I, how I go through, um, find the language to yeah. try to put something together that I don't find embarrassing to put out there. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, you, you mentioned landscape and I, I know that's kind of where it, it takes me, um, a lot mm. of your paintings. And I didn't know, I, I find that interesting because if I'm not mistaken, a lot of your canvases are a vertical a rectangle. Yes. Yes. They are vertical. Yeah. And that's kind of like counter <laughs> intuitive or counter, right. counter landscape. <laughs> it is. That's right. Cause the horizontal is supposed to be landscape and the vertical is supposed to be human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's an interesting like, contrast. I know, think like, it creates maybe an automatic tension. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe it's also because I've spent a lot of my life looking out of windows, and our windows are vertical um, rectangles, you know? Right. It's like just sort of a different way to present that image, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Now, um, on the somewhat of the, the format, but jump to material a little bit more, like what do you find the differences for you, say, painting on linen that's that's mounted to panel or just, say straight canvas or linen that's not mounted like just stretched is there yeah a, is there a difference yeah like how yeah it, just like for you as the painter yeah there there absolutely is i mean um it's uh you it's clear you've definitely been paying attention to what i i put up there is the details on my materials it's um the smaller pieces that i i make generally i stretch linen over um, over the, the mounted panels. Okay. And I really love that surface because there's no give. Yeah. I still have the texture and the absorbency of the fabric. Um, and I really, there's something about linen that just feels sort of luxurious to yeah. me and, uh, to most of us probably. Uh, and so when there's, when there's no give then I can, I feel like I can layer the paint on a lot easier and it, I get more fluidity with the nice, larger like, piece. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to, you know, go back to the, the idea of mark making and uh, just to sort of brushwork in, in a, a group of marks that they don't feel noodled. And I think that might have to do with scale as well. And, and, you know, how they're, how they're perceived by me on just online, which, you know, um, of course is that experience, but, um right just just building that up and having that resistance i imagine is just kind of cool and you know um it is yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I can, I mean, they're smaller, so they work up quicker anyway, but I feel like where there's that, that firm resistance, um, I get almost a smoother surface, which is a lot like the, the drawing surfaces. Cause when I draw the paper, I choose, I actually, I work on, um, Manila tag board, which is probably the cheapest paper you could possibly get your hands on. And <laughs> it's not archival in the least, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's it's thick, it's heavy, it's smooth, and it doesn't have any tooth to it. And I just love that with the charcoal. And mm-hmm. when I'm working on, um, you know, a gessoed linen on board, it's it has a similar glide and 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 stability behind it that I really like. Right. With the larger paintings, first of all, the the panels when you start to get larger get way too heavy. Um, there's just no way to, to move those around easily. Um, I think storage would become a, a a major issue. Weight would become a major issue. Cost would become a major issue. Um, and also, you know, I mean, I've been stretching canvas. Um, I learned how to do that in high school. So I've been, I've been stretching canvases since then. And so I, I really do enjoy putting the stretchers together and and stretching the canvas like that. Um, and I tend to work on canvas on the larger ones again because it, you know, linen is sort of cost prohibitive when you start to get into, you know, five feet, six feet of of, of fabric. So right, um, right. you know, per piece, um, it is a different surface. One when I'm working on the larger pieces, there's you know, you get more of that drum, you know, yeah. that kind of that stretched drum top feel, and so there's there's more absorbency. There's um, there isn't the rigidity behind it. You know, when you push the, the brush onto the painting, it moves a little bit, you know, even though it's very slight, there's, there's a bounce back. So I'm not really sure. It's not that I don't like that. I do like that. It's just, um, it's just a little different. And I think that the paint behaves differently because of it. Right. So do you prime, uh, like say your yeah. canvases are linen and does it, do you prime it sort of like yeah. evenly or? I do generally prime it. Some of the pieces I'll leave raw um, just to kind of play around with like a, a small raw linen piece or something. Yeah. Uh, but I generally do, I do prime with gesso. Um, and I do on the large pieces, I'll do two to three layers and sand between. Um, yeah. And I'll generally do, yeah, I'll generally do three layers on the small ones too. Cause they, they work up fast and they dry quick. Um, oftentimes on the large ones, I'll, I'll, I'll do fewer layers than on the small ones just cause I'm really impatient and I want to get to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I see, I think I mentioned that I see a lot of nature in your work and I, mm. you're not, a, I imagine you're not opposed to that, but it's not necessarily where it comes from. And well, it, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. Um, I don't consider myself a landscape painter. Right. Um, I'm not trying to, like I said before, I'm not trying to replicate the, a, a place, a specific location. I'm not, okay. you know, I'm not a plein air painter in any way. I'm, but nature and landscape and cityscape all, um, they're all very influential in what I do. I, there's absolutely no way I can get away from that. Right. Um, the, the, the forms are always very organic. They always have been. Landscape itself, um, that feel of a landscape, the the, the speciousness of, of the way that it, it moves back in space. Um, when you look at the paintings, I think that that there's 
they just sort of develop that way where I feel like they, they often have a foreground, a midground, and a background. And um, so I, I think it's, it's not intentional, but I'm not fighting against it anymore yeah. the way I used to. I this sort of just like let really it fluid and kind of, I think it might be the, just the material of nature, you know, like the earth and, um, mm. you know, mud <laughs> even, you know, mm-hmm. not reflective of the colors at all. Cause I think you have a pretty good grasp on colors and some areas like they're, they seem to be pretty open. And I was wondering if there's any like sort of sky in your painting and if there's a top or a bottom uh, to your paintings, something that you mm. decide along the way. Yeah, there's absolutely a top and a bottom. I do turn them as I work on them sometimes, not not as a rule, but oftentimes I turn them to get a a better idea of what's working um, compositionally yeah. and what's working color-wise. Because, you know, once you flip a painting upside down, if something's not working, it just slaps you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you can't see that when you've just been looking at it from one, one vantage point. Um, so there's definitely a top and a bottom. Uh, when I'm finished with something, I know that it's finished and I know that that's the top, but, um, uh, I sort of forgot the question. <laughs> I just, I, um, I'm like obsessed with this idea of like how re- like landscape relates to your work. Um, right. And that's just me, you know, being, hopefully I'm not being too heavy handed with that, but. Oh um, no, not at all. Yeah. In fact, just, the, the fact that you're asking the question and kind of, making me answer (laughs) is really good because it's, it's something that I struggle with and I always have. Um, and that's why I said, I'm, I'm not like fighting against the landscape elements that show up anymore. I don't call myself a landscape painter, but, um, but I feel like the places that I go in, in real life where the places I go visit, the, the woods that I walk through the beaches, the, the yeah. places that I that I see in photographs or in videos, um, you know, that I've never been to, they they all get inside my head. They all get inside me. And they when I'm painting these places and their effects on me come back out again. Um, and so I feel like while the paintings aren't a likeness of any specific place, they sort of become places themselves. Yeah. So I do like the idea of that feeling of being able to almost step inside the painting, even if it were a dangerous place to step into, you, you sort of could, you know, and they've, they've become less atmospheric than they used to be. And they've become much more heavy and much more elemental. So there's a lot more mud and stone and sort of um, like stormy waters and, um, you know, so very, very solidly elemental. Even even the air feels sort of solid to me in them. So I I feel like you're, you're right. In a way, these really are landscape paintings, even though I'm reluctant to call them that. Just like <laughs> yeah. they're abstract paintings and I'm still reluctant to call them abstract paintings. All right. Um, there was – I was away from – looking at the work and I was away from the computer and all that stuff and the music I was listening to. And for some reason, I shouldn't say for some reason, cause uh, probably for a very specific reason I can't put into words that, uh, alchemy came to, came to mind. Um, mm. and just, 
you know, I think over the a lot of things you just said, like I think you use the word stone and rock, and um, one of the things that the words that I thought of is as if I was witnessing lava reforming itself into land, you know, like cooling off. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> I blame you. It's your work. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot, and I like the word alchemy. That sort of like transmutation of one thing into another. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that I was, like that a lot. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a lot of fun to consider the work. So it'll be cool to see mm. it soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So I I was hoping to talk about your colors a little bit more. Sure. And I was wondering how do you come up with your palette of colors and if it's like something you plan out or is it sort of as as it happens or. Well, it depends. Um, sometimes I get obsessed with a certain color and it, it it's everywhere. And then I have to find ways to temper it and, and, and use it in new ways. Like I've been obsessed with Prussian blue for a long time. Oh yeah. I use a lot of Prussian blue. <laughs> <laughs> and, I haven't heard um, that the color of that name in probably since like, I left art school. Like, Really? No yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of obsessed with it, and I've become a connoisseur um, oh, nice. recently of you know what brands I like. Okay. You know which which brand I should buy and which ones I shouldn't waste my money on. Um, and uh, and I've so so I've been really I've been working with a lot of that for a long time, and I, so I'm feeling like I'm I'm starting to learn how to use a lot of other colors around it and with okay. it and mixed with it. And, um, and so I bought like the other day, I bought a big tube of, uh, turquoise, which I've never oh, wow. painted with turquoise. Yeah. And now I'm like, I can't believe how well it works. That's cool. With the other colors, it can be a super cool you know? color. Yeah. With, yeah. You know, and so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm just learning how to use color in a way, even though I've been using it for so many years, decades, I'm, I feel like I'm just learning how to use color. And, um, I don't plan out a palette ahead of time, depending on just to get back to your question, depending on what I'm working on, I may go into a painting because I saw a color combination that I need to use. Yeah. Um, you know, I forget the name of the artist. I saw a piece at the Harvard Art Museums uh, like five years ago that was, or maybe more, that was this like, it was, it was sort of like a um, like a lime green and a cadmium red. And I couldn't believe how well those colors worked together. Oh, wow. And I immediately <laughs> went home and started trying to use them and realized just how difficult it is to use them, you know, or um, there was one painting I, I knew I wanted to use, you know, blue and and uh, raw sienna for some reason. I wanted to make a painting out of those two colors primarily. Yeah. Um, other times I'm sort of, you know, I'll start with one or two colors like that. And then it's that call and response again, where I'm, I'm looking at what's there. I'm trying to create light and shadow or depth and, um, and, and get a glow to happen somewhere. So I've been paying a lot of attention to how to mix colors and, um, and how to, how to learn how to mix new colors. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a really 
complicated journey. I, I look at some people who are just masters of color and I don't know how they got there. It's, it's you know, they, they seem to have just kind of have it come naturally to them. And I feel like I've had a good sense of color in general, but I didn't really know how to make color and how to really use color. So that's been a really fun, really fun journey. I, I feel like, like you mentioned um, to me, Pear Kirkby and, um, and I was saying how I feel like he works with really difficult color. You know, yeah, he can use those, those greens and browns and all those raw earthy colors um, with, you know, the reds and the yellows and they don't get muddy. They don't get, they don't get dull unless they're purposefully dull. Yeah. He somehow just surrounds them with just the right, <laughs> whether it's a texture or the, the, mm -hmm. the values or, or all of it. And it, just makes it mm. <laughs> makes it sing and makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't just a master of color, but of value, and that's something that I'm yeah. I'm trying to learn more how to use more effectively. Yeah, it so I'm having cool. a lot of fun oh. with color. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm I'm having a lot of fun with the color and um and and you know and I always feel like if I use too many colors it can start to just look like a rainbow and that bothers me i don't like that so i'm sort of trying to strike a balance between you know getting that the brighter glows and the and those those deeper recessed places right in balance yeah now this may i, I feel like it's my painting secret um question mm. and it you know this i'm assuming it's a secret <laughs> <laughs> but, okay so what makes up your darks and your blacks is it something like this mixture that you came across or is it a little of both or anything right from the tube or all of those things yeah um yeah all of those things i i stopped using black from the tube straight up yeah i was using it and then i realized that i really needed to be mixing it because I wanted to explore a lot more black right. and get variations in there. So I started mixing my own blacks um, using, um, oh, what am I using? Alizarin crimson. Um, I think I'm using Prussian blue, alizarin crimson, and then either like a, a burnt sienna or a Van Dyke brown something like that. So like, basically it's like a red, a blue and a brown oh, cool. mixed together. And then the, the variations of those that you use give you a different tone of black, different warmths or coolnesses, um, you know, and transparencies and all of that. So yeah. I've been playing around with that a lot. And, um, and in this painting I'm making right now, I actually, a lot of the darks are, um, Van Dyke Brown and Quinacridone Magenta mixed <laughs> together, which is really fun. I that's yeah. another color I bought recently that I just wanted to play with the the, the magenta. Um, so yeah, so I'm sort of like really playing around with those those darks and um, trying to sort of trying to make mud. Yeah, like you know, I mean, paint is mud, right? <laughs> so and we try, we do everything we can to keep it from turning to mud on the canvas, but right. yet I'm I'm trying to kind of mix mud at the same time, 
and just lay yeah, these it's like toe that line between just total disaster <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm i'm like I, I don't know how many steps away i am from just bringing actual mud <laughs> into the studio <laughs> and caking it on there i don't know that's a whole other set of problems i think but yeah yeah yeah, so it's not a secret. I'm 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 learning a lot. I look up things on the all-knowing internet a lot. Yeah. Um, if I I want to mix something and I can't remember how to do it, or I want a new way of doing it to play around with, I look that up. Um, there's this one guy who I this guy uh, this artist Brian Rutenberg who, um, he's a, he's a landscape painter. Does these big sort of abstracted landscapes, and he he does this whole series of studio visit um uh videos on youtube and i've been watching him off and on for uh quite a long time he's really fun to watch and he often in the beginning of his videos actually does um show you um mixes of of paint to give like shows you how to mix different colors and yeah it's really cool it's really cool he gives up all his secrets and um that's cool (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, he's really funny too. Um, nice. so no, he does. Watch. He does. He visits other artist studios, or he no, goes through. No, he just he he. It's called studio visits, and he just makes them in his studio, and oh, okay. like it's just him talking and showing stuff and showing you, you know, you know, historical art and stuff. It sounds really boring, but it's really it's really entertaining. Yeah. And it sounds like boring. for some reason I'm. I feel like. It sounds like it would be comical at the same time in some way, like fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's really fun. It's really fun. And yeah. I've actually learned um, quite a few things um, from his his palette. And okay. uh, so I take notes on it. And then, of course, I have to go digging back through my notebooks to try and find those notes. <laughs> so, um, you know, but at least it gives me some ideas when I go when I go to my palette to be able to say, okay, I remembered that there's this color that he mixed and I'm going to try and remember how he did it. Yeah. And usually I come up with something completely different. So that's perfectly fine. Right. Um, cause it's a jumping off point, but I feel like I've, I've learned a little bit more about how color works that's when you mix cool. it. Yeah. I like how you're certainly open to the fact that you're still learning and, and really we all are <laughs> no matter. Oh yeah. You know. I hope this goes on for another 40 years. Yeah, it, it better. <laughs> or more. <laughs> I'm shooting for another 80. <laughs> it, it seems like the, the activity of painting for you is like you're, you figure out so much like on the canvas and that's where the image comes from. If, we, if we're going to call it an image or just like the paint, the, the, the craft of it itself. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, I'm nice. very much a process painter. Yeah, yeah. it it's sort of it, yeah. I feel like they they become their own thing. They sort yeah. of I start them and then we kind of guide each other until they've become what they want to become. Yeah. And at that point I sort of have no no choice in the matter. Yeah. And it almost doesn't matter if I like them or not. This, Does that um... make sense? Do you feel that way with your stuff ever? Do you feel like it kind of is out of your hands at a certain point and I think the first time really it happens is when I have the idea in my head and then I make the but even if it just so happened that I'm working loosely with representation at the moment um mm. very loosely but That's it's there sweet. more I like them, yeah. um, what's that 
I've been seeing some of the, the a few things you posted. I really like them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's like, um, but the minute I sort of start to render, if you will, the idea mm. changes, and so there's there's some of that, and you have to like you have to accept that and go with that, if that somewhat answers your question. But it's um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this surprises with with color and. You know, and it just so happens I'm working with an image, but I'm trying to make it about the paint as much as possible, like to to create the shape with with the paint, rather than just like being like illustrating something with a pencil. Like there's like a big difference, I think. You know, Absolutely. for me, yeah. Um, so that's where that that's where that happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it. I mean, there's always a surprise in the end, and I think that that moment where I stop working on something that's sort of like not you know the, the painting certainly had as much a hand in that as as i have you know if not more yes and yeah it's kind of this like this this calm or something at the end that like oh okay uh i think that might be done <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it sort of lets you know when to stop and yeah. if you don't listen to it then it, you just kind of beat it into the ground Oh yeah, it's terrible. I really, I'm trying to. That's my major journey. I think is knowing when something's done. You know, I don't. Um, just, just for for my way of working, like my own my own situation in my studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm not. Like this, this just just an arrive like arriving somewhere, and knowing knowing the difference between that and, you know, just being just sort of like congratulating yourself is not where I want to end up. But mm. the the opposite side of that where you can you can know that you're done without doing that, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough spot. I remember hearing a story once, um, I don't know where I heard this. Uh but it was, you know, there was some elementary school teacher who's the, the artwork that her kids made for some reason was better than any of the other classes that anyone had seen. And someone asked her one time, yeah. you know, why, what are, what is it that you're doing that makes your students make such great artwork? And she said, she takes it away from them before they're done. Oh, wow. And just, just walk up, take it away and put another piece of paper in front of them. Right. So she made them stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's always stuck with me. I have no idea where I heard that story. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I Sometimes wish, I wish, I wish someone, someone would come me. into my studio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please just stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have my, um, I always say it's my favorite question. I got to stop saying that because it probably gets really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like if someone listens to more than one podcast of mine, I'm like, well, okay, here it comes. <laughs> It's okay but, to have a favorite. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, so it it's a way that I can participate too. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the question is, can you use three to five words to describe your work? <sighs> this is this was really hard for me. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I, I wrote down some words. Um, elemental. Yeah. Place. Place. Yep. Uh, and I also wrote invisible or unseen places. Feeling um, is going to be more than five. Slow, 
wordless. And then I have a group of words um, of extremes or opposites, solid, fluid, atmospheric, earthy. That's what I've got. Cool. I have some words if you don't mind. I'm really looking forward to hearing your words. <laughs> okay. So I have lush. Oh. Drama. Forest, thicket, creek, gravity, and one I already said earlier about lava. I like that list. Thanks. Gravity. I like gravity. I like thicket. I like all of that. Yeah, I like thicket too. I feel like I just learned. It's like, if I ever heard that before, like I think it came to me the second time or third time around, like a couple of years ago, I used it in a poem and um, like, it's, it's just such a cool word. And even if you don't know what it means, <laughs> mm. yeah, right, even, it if sounds good, even without its meaning. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I like okay. that list. Cool. Thanks. I'm glad. I'm, can... I'm looking forward to listening to this later and writing those down. Cause I didn't just write them down. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And then for some reason, I, I th like when when gravity came to me, it was because I was thinking about Clifford Still. Oh, really? And there's some like I feel like there's some things that happen in your painting that you've done, where, for lack of a better way to describe it, like a weeping willow. So there's that sort mm. of like what Clifford Still would sort of like I don't know I guess some of his the shapes of the marks that he was known for, and so it, yeah, it just this sort of fantastic fantastical part of it which I thought was pretty cool, some of the work. Oh, that's very cool. That's definitely not an association I've ever made or heard before. I like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. But I think gravity itself really attaches to that feeling that I was saying that I've been feeling with the new work about them being that heavy elemental quality coming into yeah. them now. You know, like even some solid shapes, like almost geometric forms have appeared. So there's definitely a gravity to these that that is is new. So that yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Nice. I'm gonna and start looking at some show. Clifford Still now too. Yes, they'll be in the show. Well, well, one of them won't be because it's in uh, it's in a private residence, but the rest of them will be. Oh okay. Yeah. So I have another question. Good. <laughs> <laughs> do you listen to any music while painting i used to listen to music all the time it was just wall-to-wall -wall music and it was always loud yeah and i had different playlists that i would use or different albums i sort of really miss having um a tape deck <laughs> nice. and a uh and or having like a you know a cd changer yeah. in the studio I, I do miss that but um uh <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But um, I do. I really miss that. I still have a bag of tapes. I'm going to get a tape deck again sometime. <laughs> but um, I I found that, you know, I used to listen to, you know, I used to listen to a lot of Tom Waits. I used to listen to, you know, a lot, just such a variety of stuff. Yeah. But I found that I was getting distracted by the music. Yeah. And I I was being too influenced by it. So what I was painting was far too influenced by the music I was listening to rather than being more of a pure experience. Okay. So I stopped listening to music 
Um, occasionally I do. Um, the other day I actually sort of uncharacteristically put on some Bach and that cleared my head beautifully. Yeah. But I I've started listening to a lot of podcasts okay. in the studio. Um, so I listen to a ton of art podcasts and I also, I listen to, um, uh, LeVar Burton reads, <laughs> it's okay. reading rainbow for grownups. Nice. And, uh, so it's really nice listening to him, you know, tell me stories, short fiction. Um, and I listen to, you know, artist talks and things like that. And then eventually I have to shut it off and be yeah. silent for a while. Um, because it becomes a lot of chatter, a lot of noise. And I found that after the last, oh, like a year or two of listening to, you know, so many podcasts and talks that the chatter is now starting to do the same, become the same kind of distraction that yeah. music was. So I'm sort of returning to, to some silence and some, some music in a more subtle background way. I've been listening to something as I'm like, I was preparing for your interview and I was like, I always try to like match up, uh, mm. music that I listen to with the work I'm looking at. Yeah. And I, I, w I was sort of like torn between two. Like, I don't know if you know, Zoe Keating. No, I don't. Zoe she's Keating. A, yeah. She's a cellist. No, she, I don't know her. Yeah. She has her own thing going on. And she does some loops, and so it's like she's basically a one-person, you know, cello machine. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that the Bach that I've been listening to is a Yo-Yo Ma cello concertos. Oh, cool. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, cello is like one of my favorite instruments ever. It's um, gorgeous. Yeah, it's just wonderful. I feel like with that, with her music, I feel like if it were... <laughs> If this were, you know, a, a record player turntable and you would just slow down the record just a little bit, like that would be a, a little more accurate of, you know, musical sort of experience with looking at your work. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I want to try it, <laughs> but I don't have any of I want to try it so. too. <laughs> <laughs> if you and get then, it slowed down to the right speed, record it for me. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> you could like you could just sort of toy with it a little you know like some some parts where it speeds up you just slow it down a little i don't know i think it'd be an interesting like experiment um yeah that was the one the one that and then another band that i guess you can call them a band they're more of a like an outfit or what have you but it's called dirty three i actually posted one of their songs today on facebook um, dirty three yeah 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 and it's like a violinist i believe it's just a trio like drums and a guitar and it's it's very you want to talk about an earthy sound it's almost seems manipulated but it's just i think their natural way of playing those instruments it's wow. just so like yeah it's like i mean i can't think of like earthy or raw or kind of untraditional of course like very untraditional but um and they, they've been together like for eons already i can't believe <laughs> it's it makes me feel old but <laughs> Well, I'm they're they're both uh both of these are are new to me. I'm really looking forward to to listening to them especially in the studio. Yeah, it's kind of cool because there's no I don't know. I mean, if you like instrumental, it's they're they're both of course instrumental, so I don't know if that takes yeah. away some of the distraction factor, but 
It absolutely does. If I'm not singing along, it helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the other thing too with the with the music that I, I hadn't even thought of until just now is that um, my my day job is that I'm a body worker. I, I do massage, muscular therapy for okay. my job. So I listen to songs, to, to music yeah. all day when I'm working. So when I come into the studio, I don't want to listen to the same stuff that I've been listening to. Yeah, like all day. <laughs> my other work, you yeah. know? So it's, yeah, it's interesting. And I've, I've had to kind of, I've had the same issue there where like I can't have anything on for too long that I want to sing and dance to. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't really do that when you're working on someone. You have to be focused. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm really curious to to hear this music because I I I feel like if there aren't any words for me to sing along to, then I can get lost in the in the music and the task at hand a lot easier. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite art related film or documentary, and if so, what makes it your favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite. Um. The most one of the recent ones, and by recent I mean in the last few years that I've watched, that I really loved was um, uh, the Per Kirkby um, Man Falling. Yeah. I think it was called. Yeah. I thought that was just beautiful. I could watch that over and over again. Um, you know, getting getting to watch him at work. Um, I loved watching him drawing. The whole time anyone's talking to him, he's drawing um, and working in the in the print studio, making prints. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I loved that. I also, How, um, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I actually haven't seen that. And <laughs> to like jump in and say, How, where is it available? <laughs> I watched it on, I either watched it on Amazon or Netflix. Okay. I don't remember which. Okay. It's one of those two. But it's, it's. I mean, you don't have to, like, search far and wide for it. I mean, it's pretty re readily available. It was when I watched it. Okay. You know how things, like, if it was Netflix, I don't know if it's still there or not. Right, right. But if it's on Amazon, it's probably there. You just have to buy it. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, It was It was a few years. It was, like, probably two to three years ago that, that I watched it. So I, I, um, I don't remember. But I don't think that it's hard to find, no. Okay. I think it's cool. I think it's fairly readily available. The other one that I watched around the same time was I think it was um was it Carmen Herrera, the Hundred Years Show. She had her first like major solo show at a hundred years old. Oh wow! A really short documentary that I loved. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good ones, but I tend to forget off the top of my head of these things. It's sort of like walking into a, a record store and forgetting what kind of music I like. I have no idea what I want to look for. <laughs> if I make a list before I go in, I don't have no idea what I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if you have a quote you would like to share. Yeah. So I uh, I wrote down two. Um, well, actually, I think I have four here, but we'll we'll narrow it down to two. Okay. Um. So the first one is a Joan Mitchell quote where she says, I paint from remembered landscapes that I carry with me and remembered feelings of them, which of course become transformed. I could certainly never mirror nature. I 
would more like to paint what it leaves with me. I really like that quote a lot because I mm. feel like it describes part of my own process that I would not have been able to say the way she did. Right. Um, all right. So this one is Henry Miller from his book, Sexus. What I want is to open up. I want to know what's inside me. I want everybody to open up. I'm like an imbecile with a can opener in his hand, wondering where to begin. I know that underneath the mess, everything is marvelous. I'm sure of it. Big thanks to Lauren Levine for being on the program. And don't forget, Lauren is in a two-person show at Groundwork in New Bedford, Massachusetts, opening March 14th. Here are some more details. I'm going to be in uh, a two-person show with uh, another artist, Mark Fellon, at Groundwork in New Bedford. Um, the, the show opens on March 14th, which is a Saturday, and the reception's from 6 to 9 p.m., and it will be up until March, I'm sorry, until May 9th. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. should be a fun time. Yeah, that's great. Well, well, I appreciate I, thank you, you being so on. much for inviting me on because this oh, is—I've really been looking forward to it, and it's been a really—it's been really fun talking to you. Yeah, same here. Thank you. In case you missed it, more info on Ebb and Flow, the two-person show that Lauren is in in New Bedford, can be found at artcast.com or newbedfordcoworking.com. This has been Artcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this, forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-T-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. For audio, Artcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Social, Artcast is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And let's not forget about Instagram.